Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. And if you following us, you know we're in the book of John, we're in chapter 11, and we're about halfway through the entire book of John, and the song they just sung, Christ Alone, kind of gives an awesome selection for today's chapter in chapter 11. We are going to go into some, some passages of scripture that everyone is very familiar with, And in chapter 10, kind of sets the scene for chapter 11 because the place where Jesus is going to go to is the place that he left a few months prior. Um, As we know that when Jesus started preaching and people started believing in him, the Jewish leaders wanted him to be quiet and wanted to, to make him stop what he was doing because they didn't agree with his theology or believe that he was actually the son of God. So they chased him out of one Judea, and Jesus went to an area that he's very familiar with, that he spent the first eight months of his ministry after the time that John the Baptist baptized him. He spent a few months in that area. So he's back in that area, and he's ministering to the people. If you know anything about John the Baptist, he came. He was the forerunner that came to lay the path for Jesus to come to baptize with the Spirit. And just listen to the words that the people said in the last two verses of John 10 and 41. They said, many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. And the chapter ends. So that lets us know in print that John's life lived and him dying was not lived and died in vain. But in chapter 11, we are going to go into the life, the death, and resurrection of Lazarus. For, for me, it's the details of the matter, because I'm not going to go into him being resurrected. But this is Jesus' final miracle to the people. Because you see, a month from Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, he's going to be on the cross between two thieves. In the events that's going to, Pastor Jeff's going to preach on next Sunday, it's going to be the nailing the coffin for the Jewish leaders to act on everything that they were trying to do. But for us and for the people of that day, it made them have more faith and to strengthen their faith at the things that he was doing. But Jesus knew that he kept doing it. He can save more people at the same time. He is putting the nail in his own coffin, headed to to Calvary. So John's purpose is to introduce Jesus not only as the Son of God, not as the Christ, but as the Son of God. So in other words, it's Jesus in real life. So, so we come to this grand finale, and my assignment isn't to discuss the miracle, but to give you the events that led into the miracle. You see, in this passage of Scripture that we're going to discuss between verses 21, 1 through 21, we're going to see Jesus more so as a human in his human state, meaning that he's going to show emotion. He's going to have sympathy. He's going to have empathy. And we are going to see that on full display. So the characters in this chapter are the resident of the um, Lazarus, his two sisters, Martha and Mary, 
and of course the disciples. But we know the main character of this scene is, of course, Jesus Christ. And for our main idea is simply the resurrection and eternal life are represented in Jesus Christ. So it's fully represented in Jesus Christ. So my task is to lay the groundwork for this phenomenal miracle. So I have, I'm not going to leave you without a misunderstanding. You're going to clearly understand why Jesus came and what he was all about. The first thing that we're going to discuss is that delay doesn't mean denial. Delay doesn't mean denial. I think a lot of us, when we ask for something or we pray for something, it's urgent. It's urgent. And we want relief right away. We don't want to wait. We want it right then. But at times, we don't receive an answer. Matter of fact, we don't receive a word from God at all. And we're going to see that on full display in today's text. So let's look at verses 1 through 6. And you see the words, Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was laying. The Bible doesn't give us any indication of Lazarus more than what we just heard. It doesn't give us his occupation. It doesn't let us know what he's sick from. It doesn't tell us anything about his trade or what he did for a living. What we do know is that Lazarus believed in Jesus, that he was a close friend of Jesus. So we, we grasp that. But it's interesting how John, as in that second verse, if you, not about a Bible scholar, don't know about that story about Mary anointing Jesus' feet with perfume and wiping his feet with her hair. In the book of John, that story is not told until chapter 12. So the question would be, why is it in chapter 11, verse 2? And the reason for that is Matthew and Mark were written over 90 years before John wrote his gospel. So John put it in verse 2 to let us know which Mary it was. Because as we know, Mary was a common name in those days, so he didn't want to get people confused as to which Mary he's talking about. So he added that part in to let us know who this Mary is. So he gives us that. And we hear the story that the word got to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And the message that Jesus gets is really cryptic. It really doesn't go into details. It's less than 10 words. And Jesus was supposed to just leave what he was doing and go, to, go back to Bethany and tend to Lazarus. Because he knew Lazarus, he was a friend of the family, and it would have been understandable for him to stop what he was doing and return. But he didn't. And also, by the time that Jesus received the message, he knew when he got the message that Lazarus had already died. So he stayed an additional two days. And in that, that cryptic message, 
I like the King James verse because it said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When you see the word behold, that means urgent. That means you need to move now. But Jesus stays there. And at this point, I don't even believe the disciples knew that Lazarus was sick. But Jesus just knew. And it was uncommon for someone that, you know, if we hear about a loved one right now that's sick, we probably wait at the service and we'll be headed in that direction. Jesus didn't take this approach. So our delay is not a denial. And you got to think we all can relate to Martha and Mary, that they had to be in agony. They had to be anxious. Like they just knew that Jesus was going to stop what he was doing and he was going to get there before Lazarus died. But Jesus didn't. He stayed there an additional two days, two days, two days to wait longer to let things pass. But some of us need to hear this message as well, because we have problems. We have situations in our lives that we want answers for, and we want answers now. And God is, is waiting. He's not answering us. He's not giving us an answer either way. We keep praying, we keep praying the same prayer over and over and over again, as if God didn't hear us the first time. And he's delaying, and he's delaying for a reason. We all know the reason why Lazarus was delayed, but it's easier to look at Lazarus' stories than to look at our own stories. And some of us can testify of, of a delay that God has took us through, and then when he finally blessed us with what we we're asking for, we valued it more than what we would have valued it if he had done it for us at that particular time. Because you see, when your delay, when your blessing is delayed, you grow strength. If you continue to lean on God through those tough times and through those tough patches, it makes worth, when you get to that accomplishment, it makes it that much greater. It's more profound. But we can say, yeah, it's easy to say that at the other end. But it, it's, it's true. I can remember being on the top of a mountain in California in, uh, in the desert on a mission, and it, it stormed real bad to the point that all my subordinates, all my soldiers, even platoons, I was like, hey, we need to call in. We need to get out of here because the storm is getting bad, and we had to put down our weapons. You got lightning. You got wind. You got rain. You got everything. But the fact that we were on the mountain, I could look up, and I saw the storm cloud, and we were at the beginning of the storm cloud, but when I looked past the storm cloud, I could see that the sky was blue. So I'm looking at the cloud move over us, and I just knew if we just hold on, the sun is going to shine again. If we, had, we just had to hold on. So they would get on, get on the radio, call them, and tell the battalion, tell them to come pick us up. I'm like, nope, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wait it out. And sure enough, as time passed, the storm moved on someplace else. The sun came back out. We changed clothes out of our wet uniform, got on some dry ones, and continue mission. But if I had a panic like everybody else around me and listen to them and say, hey, let's get out of here because it's a storm that we want to get out of it. And every one of us can identify with that story because all of us have been in that situation where we, we want instant relief from the storm. We want, instant, we want instant umbrella from the rain. We want instant covering and protection from Anything catastrophic that is happening in our lives. And God is saying, not yet. Just wait. Just wait. It's coming. And the second point to the story 
that we need to realize is courage under fire. Again, something that we all can relate to. But let's look at how the disciples in, in this story related to courage under fire and mainly how Jesus did it. Then after that, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in the day, Jesus answered? If, if anyone walks during the day, Lord, the only one you love, the only one, where am I at? 15. If anyone walks during the day, Lord, the one, he was, he was Jesus, however, was speaking about hindsight, his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe that it's so, but let's go to him. So Jesus ends it, ends it there. So Jesus showed tremendous courage in that decision to go back to Judea because a few months ago they tried to stone him. So they pick up stones to throw and hit Jesus, and Jesus says to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these works are you stoning me? And they replied, we're not stoning you for your works. We're stoning you because you proclaim to be God. And by this point, it's like, duh, I am God. I already performed six miracles to confirm that I am who I say I am, but you still don't believe me. And if I'm the disciple, this is just me in my flesh, I would say, hey, Jesus, why don't you just say, hey, Lazarus, you healed, and you could do that from here. That's what, if I was a disciple, that's what I would have said. That's just me. <laughs> to have him do it from where he was instead of us going back, putting ourselves in harm's way because... These folks just tried to kill you, and we are with you. They're going to try to kill us as well. Why don't you just heal Lazarus from here? But the difference is Jesus knew Lazarus. When Jesus raised Jairus' daughter and he raised the widowed woman's son, he didn't know them. But Lazarus is a friend. Martha and Mary are friends. So when you have a loss in your circle of friends and you can be there, you're going to be there. So I can't blame Jesus. I would want to go as well because he knew Lazarus. He knew Mary. He knew Martha. And it would have meant the world to them to have him there in the flesh instead of him saying a word, saying, all right, Lazarus is healed. They would have been happy, but... That's not what we do. That would be like us having a close friend, our best friend, something happening in their family, and, and you can go and check on them, but you send in a card in the words of someone else. It, it just doesn't have the same effect that an in-person visit would hold. So Jesus tells them, hey, we're going to go, and we're going to check on Lazarus. But Jesus gave them really a parable when he start talking about there are 12 hours in a day, and if you walk in the day, you can see where you're going. If you're walking at night, you will stumble. And that parable that was told 2,000 years ago is, is really relevant to us today because 
he was saying is you have to walk in God's light. And if you walk in God's light, you are protected. You are guided. You're walking in his will. Nothing can happen to shorten our time. And we have enough time to complete everything that we need to do. But we can't waste our time either. If we walk while it is day, meaning that we walk in the will of God, which is a fixed time appointed by God, we will fear no danger. Some of us have had family, friends, or yourself have been in an accident that that next person or a person before died in, but you survived. It wasn't your will. And when you're talking about will and you talk about sickness, because we have a natural sickness, that's meaning a common cold, because we're human, and because of the sin of humanity, you have natural sickness. And then there's a sickness that is a divine judgment. That means you are going to die, divine judgment. Then there's a sickness to the glory of God. And Lazarus' miracle falls in the line of the will of God. Jairus' daughter was a will of God. The widow woman will death. Her son was the will of God because God resurrected these two people before Lazarus from the dead. And some of us have gone through sicknesses or know people that have gone through sicknesses that could kill someone, but because it wasn't in God's will for them to die, they lived, they survived, they recovered. And we, we know these people. And Lazarus was that way. So when God was, Jesus was talking about the time in the 12 hours, he was saying if we stay in God's light, we walk in God's will, we are protected. So when you think about it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil for you are with me. Psalm 23 and 4. That's David telling us that if we walk in God's light, I will not fear. And Psalm 119, 105. Let your word, your word be a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Which means that if you're having a lamp and you're walking in darkness and you have a lamp in front of you, you can watch where you are stepping. You're watching where you're going and then allowing you to push out darkness and allow you to go where you're going and be under God's protection. So our time is fixed. No enemy can, can shorten your time. Those of us that have been to combat in situations, we know that it is fixed. It's fixed. It doesn't matter how much training you have. When you go into combat, it still doesn't make you invincible um, to, the, to the bullets. It's in God's time. And if you are protected, you're going to survive because you're in God's will. So a day will end when it's ordained to end. And that's what Jesus was telling his disciples, that we go in the light, meaning we go in God's will, we will be protected. But we have to go in God's light. We can't go in darkness. We can't try to hide in the cover of darkness at night and go and sneak in and do what we need to do for last. We have to go in the light. And God's purpose was for him to go in the light and not to hide. So at, time, so at times, God allow us to go through darkness and deep pain in order to prove more perfectly his power. And that's clearly what he's doing in this story today. So there's faith. And ours, for that matter, is to strengthen us. We need to be strengthened and strengthened and strengthened. And what I'm saying with that is, as we continue to go through life and we 
encounter certain things and we trust in God for these things, that's our faith being strengthened and strengthened and strengthened. So the next trial comes, it's not going to be as hard because we've been strengthened through past events. That's going to allow us to move through whatever we have in our way. So the Jewish leaders already tried several times to kill Jesus, but it wasn't his time. So people have tried to kill your character and try to kill your future, but it wasn't God's purpose for that to happen. So it didn't. And the final point is if only. If only. And let's look at what Scripture shows us. Then Thomas called twin said to his fellow disciples, let's go, to, let's go too so that we may die with him. I think my, one of my soldiers said that. I think I would put him on tower guard. <laughs> when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort him, to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I want to add a word, well, that used the um, new living translation on that last part, which says, Lord, and put, Lord, if only you had been here my brother would have died. Now, Thomas, we don't hear him speak too much. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he raised a few eyebrows with the other 11 disciples when he said, hey, let's go and die with him. So I'm pretty sure they kind of gave him a double take at that comment. But Thomas was speaking because he didn't understand Jesus' resurrection. So he was speaking out of that. And in the Jewish tradition, they had a superstition that when a person dies, the soul lingers around the body for three days. And it leaves the body on the fourth day because the body starts to change. So when Lazarus died, those four days prior to Jesus arriving, they quickly wrapped him up and put him and buried him because they didn't use the form of that funeral homes use today. So they quickly did that to get him out of the area. So Mary and Martha obviously were disappointed that Jesus didn't show any urgency to be there when they felt that he should have been there. So he shows up, and she issues those words. Mary just stayed in the house. Don't know if she was just continuing to sob or mourn, but it was obvious that she was upset. But Jesus showed in this, this scene that the faith that you have, that the things that lie in our path as far as blindness, lameness, and, and um, someone who's dead, it doesn't have the same power in the presence of, of Jesus as it does anything else. So Jesus could easily raise someone from the dead just as quickly as he could, raise, could heal someone who had a withered, withered hand. But Mary and Martha didn't have enough faith to trust that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead after four days. And the truth be told, we can't criticize Martha and Mary because we, we feel the same way about certain situations that we experience in life that we feel that this is too big for Jesus. 
he can't do this. So she just said, Lord, if he had been here, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. In 1985, the, the most gross movie at that time was Back to the Future. And it starred Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, which I still believe that's one of the best movie names ever, Marty McFly, and Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown. In the movie, Marty McFly is accidentally sent back to 1955 by a crazy doctor named Dr. Brown, Doc Brown. While he was in 1955, in order for him to get back to the future, he had to make sure his parents got together and met and fell in love for him in order for him to get back to the 80s because he was an 80s teen. And when he came back to 19, he went to 1955. It caused a ripple effect in his relationship with his mother and father meeting. Those who watched the movie know exactly what I'm talking about. So he had to work diligently to get, make sure his father and his mother not only met but fell in love because there was a lot of barriers in the way of that happening and eventually come, come to be. But what if Mary had a time machine? She didn't need to go back 30 years. All she needed to go back was four, and she would be happy. Four days was more than enough for her to feel that way. He might just have made it, if only. When was the last time we said, if only? If only I had taken this job or I've done that. If only I had my test results come back negative. If only I had worked harder. I would have did better. If only. But instead of looking back and dreaming about what might have been, Jesus is going to invite Mary and Martha to look forward towards the future and not the past. See, God doesn't want us to look back. He don't want us to, definitely don't want us to go back. He wants us to look forward. Like if she had to look at that situation, Lord, you hear now and you can do something. We don't have to go back to the future to right or wrong. Because the truth be told, those things we've done in the past shaped us to be who we are. So imagine if you went back and you changed some things. Do you think you'd be in this room right now at this particular moment with the person you'd sit next to? So all those scars, all those things that we go through in life and we have regrets. There's nothing wrong with regrets. I have them. You have them. But we can't dwell on them. We can't sit here and wish what might have been if only. We can't say if only. Because if God has allowed this to happen to this Mary and Martha for their brother to be at this point, Next week, we'll talk about what actually happened after this point. It would have changed this scene. Because this moment and what Jesus, Pastor Jeff, is going to preach on next week is the nailing the coffin for all these Jewish leaders. So if you're going to say, if only I had to change my past, if only this hadn't happened, Jesus wouldn't have been on the cross a month from this day between two, two thieves if he didn't do this. And because he did this miracle... A lot of people came to trust him a lot more. Their faith grew. And those who were in the faith, their, their faith became stronger because of what Jesus 
done in his presence and what we are reading and we can justify an experience of what Jesus have done. So we can't look back on the past and wish we could change it. But some things that we can do moving forward is I need strength while I wait for a response from God. I was just asking for that because I've been my been a believing in Jesus Christ so long, and I've been through a whole lot of trials and tribulations. So when I go through them now, I ask God, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? What is this trial for? How can I grow from this event? And I trust, I've been through some things, and people will look at me, I don't understand how you can smile. How are you still in a good mood because of this, that, and the other? Dude, I, can't, I can't explain in a way that you will understand, but just trust me, I know that something good is going to come out of this. So you need strength to, as you wait, to get through a storm. Next, I need the Holy Spirit to comfort me in my storm. I gave you my story, the storm that I went through, and what everyone was saying around you, around me at that particular time to get out of it. And you're going to have people in your ear saying, hey, do this, do that. I would challenge you to wait on a response from God. Trust the Holy Spirit to interject, to give input into your situation before you listen to outside resources, regardless of where their spirituality is. They may be a pastor, they may be a priest, they may be whoever, but what God has for you is for you. So you have to trust that whatever it is that God is having you go through at that particular moment is to get you to where he needs you to go and what he needs to prepare you for. Because everyone in here, you, you've been on a job. And what happens when you go on a job? What happens on that first day? You have to go through training <laughs> to prepare you to take that position. So when your training is complete, then you're able, they're able to hand it off. And then you coasting to doing whatever you assigned to do. So once those storms come, you know how to troubleshoot. You know what to do, this, that, and the other to make it happen. But allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. And thirdly, I would trust God more this week. And that's there to give us baby steps. Meaning that if we go into each week, each challenges, that we're going to trust God to do it. My time as a drill sergeant, anyone that knows anything about that life, you have a schedule. Every hour is covered. Not a minute is left unaccounted for. But anyone that's ever been in that environment, they know something in that schedule is going to go wrong. You're not going to make a hit time. You're not going to be to do this. You're not going to be to do that. And you have to be able to jest. So when those times come, you're going to have to trust that you're going to be able to fill in the gap some way, somehow, to make training happen. Because all of it is counted for. And the thing about it is God knows how it's going to go. We just don't know. And with each and every day we wake up Monday morning and we're going to be facing challenges and God already knows how it's going to go. And he's waiting. When that challenge comes, are you going to call me? Are you going to seek my counsel before making a decision? Or are you going to try to do it yourself? He's waiting. But there may be someone also that is want to accept Christ for the first time. You've heard something in this text or you, you've been hearing a call and you're wondering, hey, is this for me? Or you may feel that, hey, I've done, I committed the ultimate sin that can't be forgiven. It is no such thing that you have done that God can't forgive you for. He know that we're not perfect. I'm not perfect even now as I stand before you, but God is. 
And if I just keep leaning on him through those storms, through those tragedies, through those trials, he can bring me through and he can do the same for you. So if you're that person and you're online, we want you to reach out through email and let us know what you're in need of through that process. If you're here, talk to Pastor Jeff or myself, and we can show you how and talk to you how to take that next step to make that happen. So I'm going to pray for us and ask God through the Holy Spirit to bless us this coming week, to bless us through our trials and our tribulations, because we know that Jesus, the resurrection and eternal life is all wrapped up in one person. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.